On today's episode of the Drive-In Podcast, we have the Express Checkup with Dr. O, featuring the latest news from DC Fandom. Then we have our review of Ridley Scott's The Last Duel, starring Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, and the Jodie Comer in a breakout performance. We then have our top billing of the greatest box office flops in history. So use the bathroom now, grab your popcorn, and enjoy the 59th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Episode 59 is here. Ricky Flex, how are you? Nez is on hiatus for this episode, but I wanted to ask you, Ricky Flex, what have you been watching, kid? The Batman trailer on repeat. Same, same. The Batman trailer on repeat. I don't think there's another answer. How many times have you seen it? Uh, I would go seven or eight. Oh, dude, I, I, dude, I dominate you. I'm at least double that. Well. If I go, if we, I've also been rewatching the first one, so I would go with seven or eight on that one too. <laughs> so, you've been doing your, you've been doing a double feature every time you watch it. Yes, double feature every time. Yes, yeah, soon you only have two screens at one time. Maybe no, one no, on no. YouTube, this, one on the computer, one on your phone. No, no, this is what I did. I so I interrupt. So I get home on Sunday before football, and our father is sitting there on the couch, and I go, "Ooh, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing today." And he goes, oh, how many drinks have you had? I go, no, 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 no. I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. And he goes, well, what the heck are you talking about? Either say something or shut up. So I'm like, the Sounds Batman right. trailer. And he goes, what are you talking about? Of course. And I go, what are, you ta- what are you talking about? I've told you this a thousand times. And then I'm like, pull it up on the TV. So I pull it up on the TV. YouTube Can I guess what he TV. said? <laughs> you sure? Too dark. I'm out. Too dark. I'm out. He's like, he like had no reaction. I go, so what do you think? And he goes, it was pretty good. And then, <laughs> and then he decides. He's such a hater. He's such a hater. So then what do we do next? There's uh, constant trailers just keep coming up. Like, you know how like says this will, this video will play in five, four, three, two. After yeah, you yeah. watch a YouTube video. Next was Shang-Chi. The next was Ghostbusters. And he's like, oh, like these look good. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he said, he said that to Shang-Chi and he dismissed the latest Batman trailer. It it was preposterous. It was it was close to being blasphemous. I I, I th- he I think he's doing it to get under your skin. That's what I thought, but then he was saying, Oh, I'm really looking like Ghostbusters. He started getting into it, like, oh, is that Dan Aykroyd or Bill Murray at the end? I'm like, it's Dan Aykroyd. And then I started like he started saying 80s it's nostalgia. Bill yeah, exactly. So whatever. I was disappointed with that, but yes, I've been watching the Batman trailer and Succession. Huge, huge Succession episode. Uh, we have, I, I, we almost could have a Succession pod, like a spinoff pod, just like we had a spinoff for the Batman trailer, which you can check out now on YouTube and all listening platforms. But Succession, this has been a year and a half in waiting, more, two years waiting. Yeah. That was- because of this pandemic, right? Because of this pushback. But I, I'm so glad that there we potentially have a cousin Greg taking Kendall's side here. And I, this is like the combativeness I need between uh, 
a cousin Greg and maybe a Tom. This is like what I'm looking for. It's, that it's, dynamic's gonna be amazing. It's hilarious how you mentioned uh, Succession podcast because when so I did not watch it live. I was watching football. Sorry, I decided to watch it the next day, and I was watching on HBO Max. And the first thing that comes up, Succession podcast. You should listen to this. Yeah, like we're promoting podcasts on HBO Max. That was like crazy to me. Dude, there, there, there's a bunch. There's there's like three different Batman podcasts that are coming out on HBO Max. You know wow. that, right? Jeffrey no. Wright is going to be the voice of Batman in one of them. That's That might be must listen. And then another one, I believe Winston Duke is the voice of Batman, who plays who's Mimbaku in the yeah. Black Panther series. But yeah, they have a bunch of different um, podcast series for Batman, which is cool. But Succession, I know they have that. But <clears throat> Batman, it's like a telling of short stories. It's, it's not like a let's go inside of like... It's not like the comics or it's not like the making of movies or anything like that. It's an actual like comic book being told in podcast form. Mm, interesting. Wow. All right. Might have to check out one or two of those. But eight, I don't HBO, know. Eight, I'm, I'm surprised Netflix isn't on top of that. And they're not, they're kind of like behind the, the eight ball there. Like that seems like something like they're usually yeah. on top of in terms of technology and yeah. uh, forms of content. And so they're I'm talking, shocked by that. Yeah. And they're talking about getting into gaming They're They have merchandise now and they, didn't get on top of the podcast game unless as far as our knowledge goes. Yeah. I mean, they could be, I like, I honestly just don't know. It's I think it's genius for HBO max to publicize that. Like after they play like a succession episode of uh, genius. So mm. that's, I'm, I'm pretty much been watching the same thing. Ricky flicks. I also checked out on HBO max, the, the long Halloween part one and two that has recently been added to HBO max, which is supposed to be, it's a, it's a, it's an animated, <laughs> it's an animated, it's added? animated always- adapt. Animated adaption of the famous graphic novel that the Batman is heavily uh, adopting from. So um, make sure if you are into the Batman, you like what you saw with the trailer, take a look at some of the material that inspired what Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves are doing on now on HBO Max animated am I, movie. Am I crazy here? I am I on crazy pills? Like I thought I like I've seen it in Walmart's and Targets, but I swear it said January first, twenty twenty two. I watched on HBO it last Max. Night. All right, I was kidding. I was gonna message you, but I figured you already knew this. You're usually on top of the streaming. I stuff, know, and I've been on HBO Max. Every, like very, it's kind of hidden. I had to like search. I searched it. It said Long Halloween, but I only thought Part One was on there. After I watched Part One, like Part Two didn't show up. It's just, like some other Batman but, animated thing that I didn't yeah. want to watch. And then all of a sudden, I like I, I put it on. It's on my homepage. Like the next day, I'm like, oh my god, what the heck? I'm like, why are they even selling this on DVD? <laughs> like, what's yeah. the point? And They've been selling me on Titans nonstop as the opening thing and not the long Halloween. And is aren't there like big time actors like voicing uh, long Halloween? Yeah. Uh Jensen I, Ackles plays Batman. Uh Josh Duhamel is Okay, uh, so you're not Harvey Dent. So, so no, I would say they're not big names, but they are people that exist. I all right, I'm looking this up, but I'm I'm sure there's gotta be somebody big here. No, there's not. I looked it up. <laughs> oh, you know our uh, the creepiest man ever, and they get to only in creepy movies. Um, David Deschamelshian. Deschamelshian's in this. Yeah, he's uh Julian Day. Oh, Jack uh, Quaid. Like... Jack Quaid's Falcone. Oh, is he really? That doesn't even match up. <laughs> Alberto uh, Falcone. Alberto. Alberto yeah, yeah, Falcone, yeah, not, not Carmine. The... Right. So he's the son. He plays a major part in the Long Halloween, but. With that being said, make sure you check it out. Batman trailer is phenomenal. 
Why don't we just jump into the DC fandom stuff, Ricky Flux? Why don't we just jump in and the smooth transition here? That's yeah. So, How do you want to do this? You just want to go in order, like the live blog, because you got yeah, a fantastic we'll do, we'll go- live blog going. I highly recommend if you missed anything or you missed like if you missed everything or just some things. Highly recommend going to the driveinpod.com. And right, out whether you saw blog. it or not, I have some insight on here. You're going to get some more insight right now. So make sure you check out the driveinpod. The driveinpod.com. So. DC Fandom. I did a live blog that went in order of announcements. Overall, Ricky Flux, what do you think of Fandom this year? Did it live up to the hype? Did you pay as close attention to it? Fandom lived up to the hype and then some, in my opinion. I was so excited last year and you had the, remember, we had Snyder Cut coming. Okay. That was going to be like the thing that was like, all right, we got something and we got some great, we got some great stills. We got a, a trailer with the Hallelujah slow slow hallelujah if you don't remember um but hallelujah (laughs) but then we got a surprise with the batman trailer so no matter what happened here like this could never live up to that but the batman trailer was phenomenal we finally got black adam and we got other projects going here but i think those were like the two where i was like oh okay like this is dc fandom obviously no snyder cut but we got, we got more here. So um, I would say last year was better. Uh, the, I think the amount of content that came out was better last year. I sat through the whole thing. I literally watched the entire, like I would like mute some of the projects I just did not care about. I, I don't read comics or anything like that. So I didn't listen to that aspect, but the Batman did steal the show. Once again, there's a reason that it was the finale. We know the whole hype that was brought on for DC fandom for this year, right. Was the Batman. Last time right. we had we had to look forward to trailers for the Snyder Cut along with the Batman, but you didn't know you were getting a Batman trailer, so that was just an added bonus. In terms of material this year, I was let down by the content because a lot of these films are pretty much done with production or they're nearly done with production, at least shooting of the film. Mm-hmm. Whether you're talking about Peacemaker, Aquaman two, Black Adam, obviously the Batman's done. Okay, the Flash is pretty much done as confirmed this yeah. week. That it just wrapped filming. Um, but I was a little disappointed. We didn't get more trailers. I wanted more trailers. You didn't have the Snyder Cut to look forward to. Black Adam, yes, we got a cool clip. But I wanted to see more, right? So let's start off with Black Adam and Dwayne Johnson. This, pra- this passion project he's been working towards uh, for 15 years running now. He's been cast as his character before Iron Man even came out. It's crazy. And before the DCEU even existed. So we did get an introductory clip. But in all we got last year was just some like fan art, not even fan art. It was uh, Boss Logic. He yeah, was famous. Right. He's, he's just like this famous uh, artist for superheroes online. I'm not sure how he does it, but he does some incredible work. But The Rock's like, yeah, let's just hire him and say, let's put it out for DC Fandom and say we have some concept art. Well, we finally see Black Adam on camera at this DC Fandom, and I love the clip they had. I wish we had a full trailer, but I did love that opening clip. He's truly menacing. He looks evil. I want to, see, but I want to see his interaction a little bit more with the JSA people, like Doctor Fate, Hawkman, and uh, other characters that are supposed to appear, like Adam Smasher. What do you think of the clip, Flex? I like the clip, but I will say the Rock's intro because that was like the first big project in DC fandom to kick it off, really. So him like just discussing like his passion for this project and saying like. This is the most powerful. Like he's and like you got you got the hierarchy in the DCEU is yeah. about to change. <laughs> but uh, how many times has he said that? 
<laughs> but he was getting into it on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that with people. He's like, like Black Adam's uh, stronger than Superman. He doesn't like. There's no oh, kryptonite God. needed to kill him. There's no weakness. I, that's Such why a I rock love. beef on Twitter. He was like getting into beefs on during DC DC fandom on Twitter. And I loved it. But yeah, I, I can DCU. <laughs> I would have liked to see his face and him in the suit. We only saw like with the hood on. Not really a good like like we couldn't get a glimpse of his face with the suit on. But it was a cool clip. I, like. I think that we, if we got anything, it was going to be a success with Black Adam here. So that's why I'm, I'm satisfied with it. Yeah, I, I just wanted a trailer. We've been talking about this movie for 15 years. You have the whole world <laughs> watching, all DC fans watching. How do you not deliver a trailer after you've said the, the, the hierarchy of DC right. about to change? How do you, like, whatever. That just makes no sense to me. And you've teased, like, Pierce Brosnan is there. All this Hodge is there. Noah Centineo is there. And we didn't even get a glimpse of them in the costume. It was like last year. Yeah, we just year, got it's logos. Like, it's like it's like they've showed a belt. I'm like, oh shit, a belt. Like I should be impressed by this. Like I have this in my closet, bro. It's just like, <laughs> it, just, it just makes no, like it's just. You want me to like, go get my get WWE belts? Like you couldn't even like, I mean, you got brought concept art last year. Bring concept art of Dr. Fate. Actually, there might've been concept art of Dr. Fate, but like Adam Smasher, Hawkman. Everyone wants to see Hawkman. That's a, that's a character that's like d- deep in DC lore. Like how cool would have mm-hmm. been to see all this Hodge playing that character. But that we'll just nice. have to wait. We'll just have to wait. But it come and let's move on to the next panel they had. Aquaman two, by far in my opinion, the worst panel. <laughs> the worst. It was panel. horrendous. This was bad. Like obviously, yeah, yeah. You got the pick of that and. The pick of Jason Moore, which has already been leaked, like whatever, in the new black suit. And sure, Black Manta looks better, but not to have a trailer, not even a teaser. <laughs> Behind the scenes of the, lo- the, the, driving. the loser of DC fandom for major projects is Aquaman 2. Yeah. And like th- this is something I'm not, I, it's actually the highest grossing DCEU movie, which is kind of nuts to Sad. say. So how can you not have, especially after last year, where there was no footage of D- of Aquaman last year. You're going mm-hmm. back-to-back DC fandoms without Aquaman footage. You gave me a behind-the-scenes look. I thought for a second that uh, Black Manta had a smaller helmet. I wrote, even wrote that in the blog. Nope. Same size. I saw <laughs> it side-by-side. His head Massive. is too big. It's way Massive. too big. I, I get it. He's Black Manta, and his head's got to be a little bigger. It doesn't have to be as big as the freaking sun, right? You can shrink it a little bit. But uh, I'm happy that we're seeing Yaya. But once again, this movie has shot a lot of it's been shot it's like mostly done like how can we not the batman put together my favorite trailer of all time with 25 percent of the movie done 25 percent. these movies and we're about to get to the flash the flash like ezra miller steps up and he's like yeah we didn't have enough uh footage to <laughs> that, uh oh, make a trailer that's a tweet the next day saying the flash has wrapped filming what did they shoot the last 90 percent in the last day what the hell what is that and ezra miller What's he doing? Showing up to DC fandom? We're in a dog collar. What a psycho. It, I was getting, all right. That, are we jumping to the flash here? Or, yeah, are we, why not? Are we That's flash just, forwarding? I'm, to- I'm done with Aquaman. I'm done with Aquaman. <laughs> DC fandom was weird. All right. Well, now we're going to the flash here. That was going to be my comment. What a dummy. He was wearing a choke collar. What are you doing? I'm like, wear a flash shirt. Wear like the symbol. Wear a hat. No, I'm going to go to DC fandom and wear a dog collar. Psycho. Psycho. And everyone like, already knows thinks you're a psycho. No, no. Like, I think Kier's saying choke for obvious reasons. Oh, my it. God. That's you're what right. I'm trying to say. Like, he wore that's a choke collar. Like, that's – and that is messed up. So, already not a good sign. 
Then he lies to us straight to our face. And then we get this new teaser, which I'm not as, like, I'm not as down or uh, down on it as you are because we did see an alternate flash, which I was shocked that they would tease here. But I wanted to see Batman, not just a behind the head footage. Like, if you're going to do that, then might as well just go all the way. Like you could have shown me a better view. Maybe just show because you didn't really show me anything. You, Maybe we just knew, like Bat, we knew Keith was in the movie. You showed like the cow. You you didn't show right the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. You didn't show any of Affleck. So it's just like for me, it's like you got to show yeah, something. And, and his suit was disappointing. His head looks stupid. You see I, that still? Yeah, I heard mixed reviews on on Twitter for that. For me, I just I really don't like any of the suits. Like it any better of the, be just a, incomplete. The, like you know what was. Which I know we're not going to touch on this, but the Flash TV show, that, that, that's a great suit. Even though that show is just a, a soap opera, that is a great suit. I've never seen the show, but I have seen the suit. It's okay. The first know. three seasons of the show is good, but then it just falls off the wagon. It looks there. like it's like uh, wool. <laughs> it looks like it's made out of wool or well, something. But I mean, like the colors, the, the, the yellow boot, like it is, it's. I guess it's fine. It's very like, I don't good. Know. I did like that shot of Flash with like the bolts like going all over his body, you know, mm-hmm. when he's in that cave type of location. It looked like the Bat Cave almost. But right. uh, who do you think the villain is for this movie? Because do you think it could be this alternate Flash, or do you think that you could get a reverse Flash or something? Reverse Flash. I thought it was, I thought I saw a little reverse Flash in that teaser. No, I don't think it was confirmed. I couldn't tell if it was him or just an alternate Flash. You know, maybe the reverse Flash is alternate. Flash. I think like, it I is reverse Flash. It would make sense because that's how like the. Um, that's that's how the movie that's how the graphic novel runs it's pretty similar except they just change up the batman role a little bit here um and then we got a, we got a shot of supergirl we did get a shot of supergirl but we saw her face and that's it we didn't get to see the best part with her suit because this trailer didn't show you anything <laughs> right right but also i just want to say this also with the flash suit but not the flash the other flash that i said you could see that the suit had uh like the Batman logo on it and the flash over it. That was on the suit, mm. similar to the Andy Machete Instagram pictures. You just thought those were like teasing, saying, oh, the Batman's going to be in this movie. No, no. Like it's literally on the suit, on the second yeah. Flash's suit. I was shocked so, by that. So I'm interested to see like how that comes about and that that origin story there. So I'm not as down on this project project and this, uh, this uh, DC fandom event or sequence here as you are but still could have been better. I'm a little concerned that we saw zero reference to Affleck in this movie. It makes me think he maybe has five minutes of like screen time in this or less. It makes you think he's barely going to be in this Don't movie. Don't do that to us. If he's not even, like you got Keaton being teased, maybe because that's because he's the future Batman in the DCEU. And it's like, it's just giving you a taste. He's going to be more, He's like, there's a reason why they're showing him, right? Like if, if, it's only, if, he's, if he was only in five minutes, they wouldn't tease him in a teaser. If Affleck's in this movie, they wouldn't show you Affleck right in the beginning, almost like Suicide right. Squad. They learned from Suicide Squad not to show a character in this in a movie that is not going to appear more than eight minutes. They, they yeah. learned that from the you're Suicide right. Squad. You're right. You're right. You're or right. Or Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad. But uh, I, I see a tweet right in front of me. It says jaw-dropping first look. It wasn't jaw-dropping. It was cool <laughs> to see Michael Keaton in the cowl, but you didn't, it could have been anybody wearing the cowl. But that's just these you know? comic book like obviously we are also comic book fans but these people that are literally obsessed with it so like they cry if they saw this teaser when it's not like this not special what's special is the batman trailer yes not this right and then um 
in terms of other news, I was hoping that we were going to get an announcement of a Static Shock live mm. action character. We know there is a movie in the works with Michael B. Jordan producing. that. Uh, the fact that a Static Shock movie was happening was actually announced last year during DC Fandom, but they made it seem like they were announcing it for the first time here. Not true. They mentioned mm. it last year, uh, but we didn't really get any other info other than there's going to be the the uh, the publishing company for Static Shock. I uh, don't know what it is right now off the top of my head. Uh, they will be making also a DC animated movie. Uh, we also got a Peacemaker mm-hmm. trailer for yep. the uh, Suicide Squad sequel slash spinoff uh, from James Gunn starring John Cena. Uh, Ricky Fleck, what do you think of this uh, teaser? Honestly, um, I don't. I, nothing has really changed my thoughts on the Peacemaker series. All these teasers here, like even the teasers before DC Fandom. I'm just really excited for it. Um, I don't really have, yeah, I'm just really excited. I think John Cena, this is his chance for to play a superhero, quote unquote, and he's going to kill it. And because he knows this is his last shot. This is his last big thing. He needs to kill it, to be honest. And really, they already got greenlit for a second season, no? So, you know, this is uh, going to be. I don't think yet. Really? Maybe I misremembered. I think John, during DC Fandom, they had that little discussion panel. And I think John Cena answered a question. He said, hopefully we'll be back for a second season. Oh, I think he said they hopefully. Want, I think they want to make a second season. If I had to put my money down, I would say definitely there's going to be a second mm-hmm. season. Okay. But it hasn't been announced. Got it. And and you don't know like whether like he'll go from this series to a movie, what, what, the, what the exact game plan is for Peacemaker. But I think it's going to – he looks hilarious as expected <laughs> – uh, he's he has a sidekick, not just vigilante, who is this uh, hero that's kind of like a foil mm-hmm. for um, Peacemaker, but he also has Eagly, the eagle, and it's funny at the end of that trailer where it's like the eagle's like hugging him. I think that could be like a, a hilarious <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, and it follows up with like that James Gunn having like either a Groot or having a weasel or having some type mm-hmm. of animal that can't really communicate but still be a lovable figure. Right, right, right. I completely agree. Um, what else am I, am I missing anything else? We had a Batgirl trailer. No, no, we got Batgirl announcement. No, uh, Not yeah. really an announcement. No, we concept. Just, we got concept art from and the guys who directed a- Bad Boys for Life, and they just showed a picture of Batgirl that could have been from any comic book that's yeah. ever existed. That was um, disappointing as well. And honestly, way the, overblown on social media. The, Literally the only, nothing. Yes. And the only big news is they were joking around and they said, Well, she'll have red hair. It's like just yeah. it's Leslie Grace, she'll have red hair. Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, what else we got here? Anything else, Flex? Do I miss Shazam? Shazam. Yeah, like Rachel Ziegler. Look. Rachel Ziegler, right? Huge up and comer. Helen Mirren, we had a look at as Hespera, Lucy Liu yep. as Calypso. Mm-hmm. Couple looks there. Was expecting a trailer for this. Um, it would have been cool if like they went <laughs> back to too. back with Black Adam and you had like Zachary Levi on yeah. screen with Dwayne Johnson. Just because you're not going to see them in the movie together, like could you not put them on like DC panel, like put them on like a, a panel on Fandom? Just I think it's too early. Interact. I think you want to wait for that until they actually go against each other. All right, but, but like, that would be great to see. Do you have what's your anticipation for Shazam? Shazam, excuse me, Fury of the Gods. Just the more I see about it, the less I'm excited for it. I was more of a hit. I, I was more a fan of it than you were as the first one. I mean, but the more just like. Zachary Levi, Levi is in this Kurt Warner movie, and I keep seeing that on my <laughs> timeline. And I'm seeing this, and he looks literally like they pumped, like they grabbed a like an air pump and pumped up his muscles in this with this suit. It's just, I'm not 
having a great time here with Shazam Fury of the Gods. And hopefully like it does well, but I'm not, I don't know. And it's, it is kind of weird. Helen Mirren's in this. You got Dr. Fate, Pierce Bronson, and Black Adam. That's also weird is bringing back old people, but it does make sense comic book wise, but it's just kind of odd to me. So I'm a little nervous for these two projects, but we'll see. I didn't have faith in Zachary Levi after the first one. And then I saw the way he threw a football and I cannot oh. trust him in Shazam Fury of the Gods. I just can't. <laughs> and if you throw a football like that and then you expect him to go against The Rock in a future movie who was a college football player at the U, I just, I can't. I, I, you got to <laughs> recast it. No. You got to recast it. You don't have a choice. But you can't have Zachary Levi go against The Rock. It's just like, it's just, it's just, it's just the biggest mismatch since like David and Goliath, except this time David would absolutely get obliterated. Yeah. <laughs> except if they, so I don't know. Just, I, I don't trust it at all. I love Helen Mirren, by the way. I think she's awesome. Lucy Liu, I really only like her in Kill Bill. I, like, yeah. I, can't, I can't name something else I actually like her yeah. in. But I Rachel know. Ziegler, I'm a, I, I, I like that. I'm a, that, that aspect has it uh, almost like a, like a Florence Pugh in a Black Widow type of vibe, in my opinion. You were going to say attractive and you're like, oh, I got to change it up here. I got to change it up. So true. So true. No, I caught myself there. That's how you get in trouble here in the 21st century and cancel culture. Um, all right. That does our DC fandom. Any other final comments before we kind of wrap up here? I guess after talking about it now, even though like I was satisfied with it, maybe just because my excitement for all these projects could have been more. But imagine if the Batman didn't have a trailer, this would have been bad. What a bust. Yeah. But the Batman just makes it, it just elevates it to another level. So you got to listen to our episode. Our emergency pod um, came out right, came out right before this, uh, this pod. Listen to that what, or watch on the YouTube, either one electric pod. All right. Ricky, do you want to get to the checkup now? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Let's get to the checkup real quick. Then we're moving on to a review of the last duel. So let's check the audiences up. Marvel Studios just delayed its upcoming movies again. Kevin Feige says the delays are because of, quote, production shifts and changes, and because we have so many slots, we can just ship slots, end quote. The delays include Doctor Strange 2, which has been pushed to May 6, 2022. Thor 4, which has been pushed to July 8, 2022. Next is Black Panther, pushed to November 11, 2022. And then The Marvels, pushed to... February 17th, 2023. And then Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp 2, which is Quantumania, July 23rd, 2023. Then finally, some outside Marvel news, some Disney news. Indiana Jones 5 has been delayed by almost an entire year. The film moves from July 29th, 2022 to June 30th, 2023. My God, Harrison Ford's got to be 82 when that comes out. Next. Following the Eternal screening premiere, spoilers are already appearing online. Not from leakers, but from renowned movie journalists this week. Looking at you, Variety. Next up, Mindhunter director Asif Kapadia has made some comments regarding season three on whether it will happen. He said, quote, if you make enough noise, it might actually happen. End quote. Let's get the, uh, the release of Snyder Cut people on, on the job. Next Mel Gibson has been cast in John, the John Wick prequel series, The Continental. What? Next, Succession Season 3 debut drew 1.5 million viewers across all platforms, marking the best premiere night performance of any HBO original series since HBO Max launched in May of 2020. Next, 
A History of the World Part 2 is in the works at Hulu with Mel Brooks set to write the series, only 50 years too late. Lastly, Dune will release one day early on HBO Max. The streaming release date is now October 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. What? And then finally, we had one trailer for the trailer roundup this week. We had the first teaser for Aaron Sorkin's Being the Ricardos, starring Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. What a duo. As the Seal Ball and Desi Arnaz about a story around the show, I Love Lucy. The film releases in theaters on December 10th and Prime Video on December 21st. That does it for the checkup. That does it for the trailer roundup. Ricky Flix. Mel Gibson. The Continental. What are we doing? Are we like it or love it or hate it? It, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> Why? How does this make sense, Flex? Elaborate. Well, all right. I'm thinking about John Wick, obviously. And I'm thinking about, you know, the owner of the Continental. Do you not see Mel Gibson and that guy, like, being very similar? I was just going to make a comment, Ricky. But I think I thought he was being cast. Somehow he was being cast as a younger guy, even though he looks older than Ian McShane. Yes. I thought I thought I was like, I was like, I was like, he's got to be playing the same guy or is he playing his dad? He's got to be playing his dad. <laughs> but apparently he's playing an original character. I'm like, they got to be ripping him off. He played yeah. play the same dude. But it, it kind of, if you like close your eyes, you're like, okay, I believe it. But yes, if on paper, it looks weird. So weird. It looks it like Mel Gibson. What's he done lately? What, what have you done for me lately? He did the Hacksaw Ridge the, a few years ago. He was Santa Claus, a badass Santa Claus. He did the dictionary movie. What's that? Uh... Wasn't he like Noah movie. Webster, or like what? He uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was like in he, prison he, or something. Mel Gibson played Noah Webster in or, prison. Not Noah Webster. Uh, who? Hold on, <laughs> I, Mr. Th- Mr. Thesaurus. <laughs> who are we talking about? <laughs> um, what is it here? The Professor and the Madman, James what is Murray. That? Is that a show? He, it was him and Sean Penn. All right, let's see here. What is this movie about? Where Professor where James Murray this? begins work compiling words for the first edition of the Oxford English Dictionary in the mid-19th century and receives over 10,000 entries from a patient at Brodor Criminal Lunatic Asylum, Dr. William Minor, who uh, Sean Penn plays. So, yeah, he made the dictionary. What year is that? Uh, recent, right? Or, uh, you told 2019. Me, what? Yeah, I just you, know him playing the Santa. What's, what's the Santa movie that he was in? Uh... You recall that one? Um, I, I'm just gonna look. I wrote a blog about it. I wrote a blog about it. It was a Cole, something Cole. No, it was something. Oh, he's been oh, in Daddy's man. Home. Daddy's Home too. Yes, he was in Daddy's Home. Get but the Gringo. Weird. Get the. Oh, I didn't even know that one. I know. Get the Gringo. Fat Man. Oh, oh yeah, Fat William man. Goggins. Yeah, he was Walter the Goggins. Yeah, the guy Walter Goggins. They like the Walton. kid. Ha- Walton. Yeah, Walton. Yeah. yeah. So the <laughs> Walton with the O. Yes. Um. But the kid hires Walton Goggins to kill him. Santa Claus. <laughs> kill Santa. The fat yeah. man. We talked about this on the podcast. Yes, I know. I just didn't remember who it was called. The Fat Man. <laughs> what an absurd movie. I think we have to watch it this Christmas season because we missed it last month. Okay. I'll, I'll sign that pledge. Maybe. maybe After we watch Klaus. And Ricky Flex, we're getting dangerously close. We're about a month and 10 days away from like actually watching Christmas movies. I haven't even started watching Halloween movies. Me too. I got to get on it today. All right. Wait, I actually was thinking about this. I don't mean to hijack the checkup here, but are you rewatching Hubie Halloween this uh, Halloween season? I didn't plan on it, but now that you reminded me, there's a good chance I will. Right. Cause I, I was seeing people's like, uh, 
on Twitter, they're saying, oh, I, like all your Halloween movies in order that yeah, you should watch. And nobody had Hubie Halloween. But I was thinking <laughs> that was a positive review that we had for it. Last I'd year. rather watch that than let's say a Hocus Pocus. I completely agree with that. That, that might, might be a hot, hot take. take. Oh, yeah, it's that true. might be a oh. hot take. I like if we put that on there, people would be like, Hocus. I think there is a secret Hocus Pocus. I don't even think it's secret. There's just a massive following for Hocus Pocus. Yeah. I think, I think they're making a remake as well. That sounds right. It sounds like it was on the checkup once or it's, twice. It's, it sounds very remakeable. <laughs> yes. Yes. And like sounds just the time remakeable. frame, like what was it, 90s movie? Like now it's like almost 30, it's like 30 years later. We got to get this a remake in, in the works here. It makes sense. Hubie Halloween. Yeah, yeah, definitely rewatchable. Um, (laughs) Yeah, let's keep on going with the checkup. I want to talk about History of the World Part 2 because, man, like we, our our father actually showed this movie to both of us and it's Mel Gibson arguably at his his peak. Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks. Will I say Gibson? Yes. Mel Brooks, arguably, oh, no. it's on my brain right now. Mel Brooks, <laughs> arguably, at his, at his peak alongside Blazing Saddles. Like, History of the World Part 1, Blazing Saddles. I would even argue there's a chance History of the, part, History of the World Part 1 is funnier than Blazing Saddles, especially when you look back at some of the jokes made in Blazing Saddles. Um, yeah, oh, and it was, always, it, was always, it was always called Part 1. Well, as we, it, that was the joke. I, yes, but I always asked my dad or our dad growing up. I'm like, hey, where's the sequel? When's the second one? But now Mel, Mel Brooks has got to be 90 plus, right? He's 95. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know how like, he's writing it. I, I don't know how he's writing it. What was the last movie he did? He's got to have someone next to him. Just like, I don't know. Writing it for him. Actually and writing it. He's just telling them all the jokes. He's 95. Wow. Wow, but I am excited for it. I wonder how his like humor is going to translate to this day and age. Yeah, he yeah he's he's old. Maybe I'll have like Clint Eastwood star. Just make it an old crew. Last movie he wrote was in. Get oh he uh, helped with Get Smart. Oh, back in 06? Oh wait. Yeah, and then he did a bunch of stuff. But yeah, he has been working a lot. Like. What, what yeah of course he's 95 i know but just i want to know like is he getting the bag or like how <laughs> how does he not already he, he must have, already have a draft he must already have a draft he probably no wrote, way he, yeah he probably wrote one back like literally right after it or during it and just has so many jokes lined up and other historical events he wanted to use and he was like uh if i ever want to do another one and he put it in his <laughs> back pocket and he, he probably was like oh, i'm 95 i should just burn this thing but then he goes, you know what? I should just go to a movie studio and just try to sell this thing. And that's it, probably but it's a perfect dump off onto a streaming service. It must be already written. It has yeah. to be. There's no way he's like has his brain, his brain clicking like it was back in 1965 and 1975, you know? So it just, it, just, it seems it really out of the blue, uh, but I love it. <laughs> I love hearing it. I wonder how his humor will translate into this day and age. Um, it kind of reminds me like of who's going to be watching it. This is like when we went to see James Bond on opening night, who was the audience primarily about couples that are about 62 years old on average that are going with like right. asking for a glass of wine at the, at the, at the concession stand. The guy's like, I'm oh, sir, I'm like 16. I can't serve you wine. And uh, so it's, it's just that type of person that's going to be watching this. And then us. Yeah. 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 Uh, what else ricky folks anything else catch your attention as before we keep moving well dune what are we doing here like this already like wasn't supposed to be released the same day as hbo max and now we're going a day early like what like 
And I don't, I'm surprised there's not a bigger uprising on social media about this. This was shocking. De- I'm surprised Denny Villanueva hasn't said anything. Yeah. Hasn't said anything because he's already come out against like this HBO Max dual release with a, a theatrical release. And then I think it's also because the, the premiere was today, I believe. Was the yeah, premiere uh, today for Dune? Uh, mon- well, Monday, whenever you listen to this, Monday the 18th. Oh, it was yesterday. It yes. went from when we're recording. Yes, yes. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, if I were him, I would come out guns blazing pissed. Yeah. Guns blazing. They already and marketed it. Like they don't have to, they don't, they're not going to take down the marketing budget for this. Like this is like their biggest movie of the year. Like they're going to keep it where it is. So this is just, it's, it feels like they're just nervous. Like HBO is, or like uh, Warner Brothers, I mean. It just feels so like they're all, nervous. It's almost like protecting themselves in, in case like it doesn't have a big opening. They could just say we released on HBO Max early. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Ugh. And they could fudge Wimps. the numbers like they did with Snyder Cut. <laughs> except that, except they're going to go the opposite way to do it. They're going right. to bump it up as much as possible. Right. Snyder Cut, they downplayed it when it really was probably the highest stream movie on HBO mm-hmm. Max. Uh, right. But Dune... Uh, this just shows how much how directors also just must despise Warner Brothers right now. Let's see what Nolan his response right uh, after like the handling of Tenet, which did not release on HBO Max simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But I remember listening to a um, an interview with David Chase, right, the creator of The Sopranos, right, mm-hmm. Coke, the guy who's written The Sopranos and wrote The Many Saints of Newark. He, I listened to an interview with him. He said he was very upset with HBO Max and the decision by Warner Brothers to have it released on there. And that's coming from someone who's worked with HBO for Nine, decades. Since 99, yeah. Decades. And so no, he was like, with Deadwood, and so sorry. it just shows like Warner Brothers choosing to make the decision, burning these bridges, but at the same time, their decision is kind of backfiring, right? Where you have potentially, uh, you have like a Venom making $100 million at the box office opening weekend, Right. So it just it's just like you don't think that some of these movies, maybe a Matrix Four, can make a hundred million dollars at the box office on its opening weekend. There's a good chance. There's a good chance it could have. Right? Sopranos made five million dollars in its opening weekend. That is sad. That is sad. Beat the for, last duel. Uh, for a, yes, the last duel. Imagine if that had a freaking HBO Max release. It would have made less than a million dollars. Honestly, right? Yeah. They what four point something and, mil? And all these filmmakers are going to Netflix now. We're going to Amazon. Like Warner Brothers, like it's got to start like fixing up their game here, real quick, or else they're going to keep losing filmmakers. And all these filmmakers are going to keep signing deals with Netflix and other people and making movies with them instead. And Netflix and like all the and Netflix is like deciding, hey, we're gonna like we can give something a theatrical release on a certain amount of days. We right. uh, we have what was Nolan signed with what Universal? Universal they gave him a hundred day release. Yeah, yeah. In theaters before it hits a streaming service. Yeah, they gave um, him the bag. Yeah, they gave him the bag. But this show, but like he he liked working with Warner Brothers, and they just seemed to deteriorate all these relationships and uh, lose some of their respectability, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's all I really got for the checkup, right? Uh, we get we yeah we had the teaser yeah. for Aaron Sorkin, uh, his new movie being the Ricardos, right? It's supposed to be like the Lucille Ball type of uh, uh, biopic with. Nicole Kidman, although we, we really didn't see Nicole Kidman in the Yeah, movie. that's what I was going to say. We didn't really see her. I was going to say that. And also, this is another one of those movies where you're going to get like 60-year-old, like plus-year-olds, people that watched I Love Lucy, <laughs> that were alive to see I Speaking Love Lucy. Speaking of ball, a bottle of wine. Yeah, that, exactly. 
So that's what I was going to say for that one. But it does look pretty good. I'm interested to see Javier Bardem in this. And especially like him and Nicole Kidman going back and forth with each other. That's going to be something to see. So I mean, I will, I won't be, I probably will see that on Prime Video. I'm not going to pay money to see that because like that's the same, no. that's the same weekend as Don't Look Up, December 10th. Like, unless, unless like grandma wants to go with us, then I like the bullet. But <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that does it for the checkup this week. That does it for the trailer roundup. Let's now move on to our semi. Highly anticipated uh, review of The Last Duel from Ridley Scott. All right, Ricky Flex, we're on to The Last Duel. One of the biggest box office bombs in recent memory actually inspired our top billing today for greatest box office bombs. But I'm going to give you the synopsis anyway for maybe the one person who did watch it that's listening. And if you didn't watch it, I guarantee, I, I, I can't say you won't watch it later, but I can pretty much guarantee you won't see it in theaters. So the synopsis is, Jean de Carouget is a respected knight known for his bravery and skill on the battlefield. Jacques Legri is a squire whose intelligence and eloquence makes him one of the most admired nobles in court. When Legri viciously assaults Carouget's wife, she steps forward to accuse her attacker, an act of bravery and defiance that puts her life in jeopardy. The ensuing trial by combat, a grueling duel to the death, places the fate of all three in God's hands. This movie directed by Ridley Scott, has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, a very good score. It also has a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Audience score for this movie is at 84%. So, Ricky Flex, to start off, why was this such a bomb? All right, well, why was this such a bomb? You just don't... This is. I think we made a comment about this a few weeks ago. Movie theaters are treading a, are treading a fine line here in movie studios with this superhero and nostalgia movies like what like what powers the box office like it's superhero movies comic book movies and then just like uh franchises uh doesn't have to be superhero but also franchises or like remakes and i think a perfect example is this weekend with halloween kills halloween kills had a simultaneous release on peacock and still got 50 million dollars at the box office <laughs> Halloween kills five yeah like who sees those movies who is going to those I, like, I wish Nez was on here to react to the fact that this last dual movie got outdone by Halloween kills literally tenfold yeah I who is paying money to see Halloween kills five and I already saw a spoiler I, I, well not spoiler for the movie but like that there could be a sixth one. Ah, oh, I, I saw that. that. I, I heard there was like a uh-huh. post-credit scene or something. There could be a sixth one. Uh-huh. That, so that's what I'm trying to say. A movie with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon reuniting for the, like reuniting Adam Driver, one of the hottest names in Hollywood right now. Jodie Comer, who's about to be one of the hottest names in Hollywood, all on the screen together. Ridley Scott movie, medieval movie. Like people love this gory, like, like, you know, medieval times, look at Lord of the Rings. And nobody saw it. Not good. That's what I'm trying to say here, though, is that no matter, like, this, this had a big, obviously big budget, like you mentioned. You constantly saw this on commercials, this trailer. Like, they really? tried to get people here. I saw it a lot. I always on TV. And they couldn't get anyone because it's not a franchise. It's not a nostalgia or remake. And it's not a comic book movie. So, um, I think... Marketing was an issue for this movie. 
I think it was an issue. I don't, I don't have cable. So I don't know if there was a bunch of commercials, I, 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 but I think it's like, there's a lot of people like me that don't have cable. So where are you going to see point. this movie promoted either in movie theaters, in trailers online, right. On websites, right. Um, during sporting events is a great way to uh, highlight a movie. All right. And promote a movie. This didn't really have that in my opinion, but then again, as I said, I don't have cable. Also, this is a period piece. A lot of times period pieces like this don't exactly get the eyeballs Mm, right and obviously they're not popular in movie theaters right now right so this is the superhero age gladiator i don't know if that would do as big of numbers at like back in 2000 it did but would it do the same numbers now without knowing who russell crowe is at the time or not being the huge name that he is or became after gladiator uh ridley scott was already huge but ridley scott you, you could you'd already know now just his name is not big enough to carry a box office sadly now. Yeah. Right. Unless like imagine really Scott, like, okay, now it's like it's characters and brands that power a box office, not directors and actors. So it's even though you have an Adam driver, a Matt Damon, a Ben Affleck, that cinephiles like me and you, we are dying to see how like their chemistry unfolds or a young up and comer like Jodie Comer try and interact on the big screen with these characters and you know it's really Scott, the guy who made Gladiator. So you know there's going to be some awesome action in this movie. Phenomenal. It's just, I think the people going to movies are younger people that want to see superhero films or the family films. And this was definitely not a family film for not just the violence reasons, for not just the violence reasons. So it wasn't that marketable in the first place. And p- movies aren't driven by actors anymore. It's just sad, you know? Maybe Leo, but so everyone knows who Leo is. Yeah. I agree with that. And I do agree with the, the Ridley Scott. Like, how many people would you say know Ridley Scott? Like, normal people. Like, if you're young, if like, I'm a teacher, if I, if I send the name Ridley Scott to my students, they would think it's an yeah. actual historical figure from the, like, from the, uh, from the Western Roman right. Empire. Like, they would if think you, it's not a real person. Yeah. I think if, uh, like, how many, if you had to, like, ask, like, your, cl- like your class or, like, just normal people that, like, see movies, like, just the big ones or whatever. They'll probably like what net, what directors do they know? They probably know Scorsese, Tarantino, uh, all the polarizing ones. Christopher Nolan, James Gunn, no, maybe. I don't think so. Unless Cards like of the Galaxy, Suicide Squad, yeah, nah, but, probably not. But like they don't know, like yeah, I don't think so. But Martin Scorsese, they'd be like, yeah, I've heard that name before because it's funny to say, but I don't think they would actually know Scorsese as the kids at least. Mm. But yeah. But it's just crazy because Ridley Scott is kind of a box office king too. He like is. Alien, he's, he's like aliens. a rival to like a James Cameron. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just he's insane. So this is just kind of sad, but it makes. I think you make some great points there. Like period piece element, like Gladiator today not making a lot. I can't even imagine that Best Picture winner. So I think where since since you kind of you brought up the time period, I think we could start out there. So obviously that wasn't a lot of bankability to it. And this is taking at a place where the Western Roman Empire has fallen. This is pre-Crusades. So it's not, it's it's like you have a lot of European kingdoms coming together. Uh, You see the French aspect. I love that they didn't give them French accents. I love that they didn't give them French accents in the movie. Well, Ricky, what were you going to say, Flex? Matt Damon was trying. Was he? I think he was was in and out big time. I don't think he was trying. I, I, I don't think he was trying to like actually sell a French accent. I think he, he tried sometimes. 
Maybe, maybe. I think he was just, I think he was just acting. He just had to put a little spin on his character. I don't think he was trying to like sound like we oui, we oui, French. Like, I don't think he was trying to pull that off or anything. But I want to talk about this time period because it was, it is boring, like the time period itself. Yeah. Right. But I think Ridley Scott did an awesome job of making a movie pre Crusades relevant to today. And in terms, and that a lot of that falls on Jodie Comer's shoulders, where you have a lot of connections to men in powerful positions taking advantage of women, the um, believability of women when it comes to um, subjects like sexual assault, things like that. He made a movie set in the 1000s, right, relevant to today. I thought that was an incredible job and a feat that can't be accomplished by all directors. I agree. But I also think a lot of that is not like I, you mentioned Jodie Comer. I think a lot of that relies on her because this is like basically her show, her show yep. to run. So I think that a lot of it was on her, but mainly the screenwriting. And yes, that too. I think the screenwriting was the one that really shone through in this movie because this movie was tough to watch. Like after the first act, like the, the final two acts like were really tough to watch. Um, it it was bad. Like it, as in like, no, no, bad as in a, like it was a good movie. Tough but, to watch. You, but, saw her, uh, you saw her get assaulted twice. <laughs> raped. Like we could say raped twice. Yeah, to the synopsis. It's insane that they showed it. Not once, but twice. My expectations walking into this movie was like just how the first act went. They would like do like, you know, show Matt Damon and Adam Driver's character. Like, you know, they're friends, but then they become enemies. And then. Like Jody, the thing with Jody Comer happens, but they don't show it. And then you just clearly see like, oh, this is a big implication, like on what's going to happen. But no, they, like it was a completely different story. Like I should have read up on it. I was just completely shocked. And walking out of that theater, I don't remember the last time I walked out of a theater and was just that sh- like shook. I in, thought in, the, in like a disturbed way. I agree. And it wasn't just that. I think uh, the gruesomeness of this movie at points was off the charts. Where it was like in terms of violence, it was even more so than, than let's say a gladiator. Like there were some parts I think that outdid gladiator in terms of like watching it. And then people, I people in my theater go, oh, like, like I think half the people who actually saw this movie, the four million, I think were in my theater. Mine was pretty well, packed. Mine was pretty I'll, packed. I'll say this. I, I don't know what, what time you went. I went on Sunday, matinee mm-hmm. show, only person in the theater. Really? That's why you yeah. called me during the movie. <laughs> I, I, I call, all right. All right. Now that you said now you said that we have to say what I did. So I'm in there. I was with my girlfriend. So imagine seeing this with your girlfriend. Oh, oh my god. Like it was terrible. Like I she felt so like Jodie Comer Queen. Like I felt terrible. Like I still feel terrible. I was just like, oh my God, I should have read like about this more. <laughs> but it, we were the only people in there. And I was just like, God, like I can't walk out, but I want to. Like, and I, I don't know. I, I was I like so walk. shook. Did, but, did she move over a seat after like I was just like after Jesus. the end but, of the um, but yeah, that's just not as bad. That's not bad as me seeing Gone Girl with my ex-girlfriend a couple of years ago. Oh, that's, yeah, that's bad too. But all right, going back to this, they showed the Batman trailer on the screen. Right. Which was like, whoa, I haven't seen that before. That was sick. It looked awesome on the big screen. Ricky, so that's a- we saw it together before, uh, was it Bond? Didn't we see it together on screen? No, we I did, because we're like, oh, we've never seen this. We've never seen this. Uh, you saw it with me, bro. Well, I just forgot. 
But, <laughs> it wasn't that memorable, I guess. But I guess, all right, going back to the medieval time and like you're saying the spin on it, the, like the Me Too spin on it. Yeah. I thought it was good. Like very good. Cause you usually don't get that, like uh, that spin, like going, like when these type of showdown movies, especially gory movies, like Jodie Comer's character is like the main character in this. And like you, in like in every showdown and every preceding scene or uh, following scene after like the, uh, the rape incident, um, you're just thinking every single time of like Jodie Comer's character and the implications towards her, making her the main character. And the final showdown, you're thinking like, you're not rooting for the men. Like you're obviously, like, you want them both to like die. But like right when I saw, uh, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but like you're rooting for Matt Damon's just so Jodie Comer lives, but you don't want him to live. Right. It's just like, it's insane so how they safe. did it. Yes, exactly. So it's insane how they did this movie um, I thought it was very impressive because I don't remember seeing a movie like that, like where you have a showdown, like imagine that you're in the wild West and like, it's not about like for pride and like for manly things. Like when you have a final showdown with the gunfire is like, you just hate both these characters and you're watching for the main character who's off the screen, not even a part of the action. I thought they did a great job of that. Insane filmmaking, insane filmmaking and writing, right? Because like they're like, they, the film shows different, the film's all about perspective. Right. It's like going into perspective, a man, like there's three different perspectives they go into. Right. You have Matt Damon's character, Adam Drivers and uh, Jodie Comer's character. And what is so interesting is that the film does go on uh, a a little bit redundantly. Like it it does repeat itself time and time again. But you have to have an appreciation for the small details, the small changes in every one of those scenes and the acting, the slight alterations and the decisions Right. Like, like, for example, Jodie Comer, where her shoes fall off. It looks like her shoes slip off in the perspective of an Adam driver who is going upstairs to sexually assault her. Or it looks like a Jodie Comer who literally tripped over and lost her shoes running up the stairs, running away from Adam driver. The decisions by Ridley Scott in the filmmaking process here to show the different perspectives, I thought was genius because this is like a, this is the definition of he said, she said. Right. It's just mm-hmm. happening in front of you and unfolding in a movie form. Yeah. And I think like, so like after like the rape, like the first time you're like, all right, we got through that, but the rest of the time it's still in your mind. And then you see the third inter- iteration of her view and uh, Jodie Comer's view. And it's just disturbing. And like, obviously like the first time it was disturbing anyways, from Adam driver's view, but it was just like, wow, because they just, because it was just a slow buildup it was a slow buildup to that third and final perspective. And then after that perspective and just the one linear storyline throughout from Jodie Comer's uh, perspective, you could really see just like how gruesome uh, just these medieval times were not just in gore and battles, but to women, to women and like everything. And that's uh, like, I just think that's just a compliment to Ridley Scott and the screen and also the screenwriting as well. So yep. obviously disturbing movie, but the, the actual filmmaking elements of this and the acting and the screenwriting I thought was phenomenal. And also the cinematography, the way of the candlelit rooms, I thought was great. Sometimes it was too dark, but then it was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like we are in the 1380s. So it's just like, I Some thought- Some great every, light and dark imagery in this movie. Too. Yeah, I just thought like, obviously what happens is just so disturbing, but the actual movies, 
like impressive, but right. And you see Adam Driver wearing black for a lot of the movie. Jodie Comer looking like a flower blossoming in like a white dress a lot of the time, or like a light blue dress. It's like I I, I do want to jump to Jodie Comer because I did text you right after I saw this movie because we did not see this movie together, and I said one I would not be surprised if Jodie Comer actually like uh, is a contender for best actress. I, everyone is talking about. Uh, you obviously have uh, Kristen Stewart playing Princess Diana and Spencer, and she's the favorite. Man, she's going to have to earn this Oscar against a Jodie Comer. But I think Jodie Comer, in terms of like a performance that is relevant to today, a, a performance that we talked about the strong relationship to the Me Too movement, a female empowerment. I think it's I think it's one it's the best female performance I've seen this year, bar none. I think it's that good. And she does such amazing acting with mm-hmm. just her eyes, just mm-hmm. her eyes. It's crazy. You can see the pain in her eyes. You can see the relief in her eyes. Every single scene, she's putting it all out there. And I think she's going to be something crazy good, crazy good, like Sorcerer Ronan level. Like, I think she has wow. that potential. Yeah. No, I think like, hey, Joey Comer, obviously she was in Free Guy this summer, right? And that's a great movie. Just, I know she was also in Killing Eve, but like, I don't know who's seen that movie, but I don't know. I know it's critically acclaimed or whatever, but, um, but yeah, free guy, great type of movie. Like you're working with Ryan Reynolds. People are going to go see it. Even in COVID times makes you bigger, makes you well-liked and you work with big time actors here. You work with big time actors, Adam driver, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, mainly Matt Damon and Ben uh, and Adam driver here, but also big time directors, Ridley Scott. And you're doing this at the beginning of your career. That's just a recipe for success. And no wonder Ridley Scott seeing her in this is like, all right, you're, you can go next to Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Kit Bag in my next movie or after House of Gucci. Yes, that's right. So it, it just makes complete sense why like that happened. And it gave good implications for this movie when you saw that casting. And by God, she deserved it because she was fantastic in this movie. Easily the best, even though there was other great acting in this movie. She was easily the best. And I just on your Oscar point, I agree that it has all the like the storylines, the relevancy to today, like, but the five million dollars box office is going to be a problem. I mean, that's a problem. That's like, a lot. That, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of Oscar bait movies, though. They're they're making around five to ten million, but, maybe less. But they gain traction. They gain steam. Nobody's talking about this. It's getting notoriety for the wrong reasons, right. which I think is accurate. Is bad. Yes. Oh yes, yes. Okay. Yes, it's getting notoriety for how bad it is, and the other other side is for Jody Comer. So that's like the only good thing people are saying. But um, we know Jodie Comer's been spectacular and we know like the writing of this movie was spectacular. I even said like Ridley Scott wouldn't be shocked if he got like a best director just based on the way he shot. And how's Gucci supposed to be the one where he's like the buzz, the Oscar right. buzz is. And maybe that's another reason why this movie didn't do well. Like the Ridley Scott movie, everyone's hanging on to is House of Gucci. Mm. And like they feel like Last Duel came out of nowhere and people just didn't see it. They didn't expect it to be good. But Moving on from there, let's go into the other acting performances. Who do you have as your number two actor, your number two performance in this movie behind Comer? I think Is it's it easily, Affleck, Driver, or uh, Damon? I think it's easily Adam Driver. I, I honestly think he was very good in this as well. I can't think of like a time. Like he just played the part so well. Like he played the smooth French, like charming. Like He can read Latin. <laughs> he can read Latin. <laughs> Uh, all the girls loved him, but then he was like very smart. Like he was so personable with everybody. He just played the part to a T. 
and his relationship also his chemistry with Ben Affleck was phenomenal. Who is my third in my power I, rankings? I, I, almost third. Had, I almost had Affleck he, at two. He two. he. If you want to talk about perfection, besides Jody Cormer, he perfected the role of just he was funny the too. comic relief, but also like still playing the count. Right, he's still like having a, a impactful moment, uh, impactful time in this movie, but he's not like he's not even like a supporting character. He's a side character, and I thought he was great. But I, oh, go yes. ahead, go ahead. Out of the big three, Driver, I had two as well. Matt Damon, once again, Matt Damon, like he's always finds himself in these prestige movies. But like he, I feel like a lot of the roles he plays, a lot of people could play who he plays. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people could have played the role he just did. That's a good Adam point. Driver, not a lot of people could play the role he did where he, he like us, Matt Damon, he's playing someone that believes that he is, uh, like views himself as his brave soul, this brave warrior. But everyone else views him as like kind of a klutz, kind of an idiot. Right. Adam Driver has a lot of elements to him where he's being the, the the friend of betrayal. He's being this person who obviously thinks he is, exudes all this energy and where he is a womanizer, but also is this intelligent man. Like he has a lot of dynamics to his character compared to a Damon. You know what I mean? I, feel I like think I'm, you honestly... I don't even want to say anything more than that because I think you perf- that might have been your best explanation or breakdown of characters in a movie ever. Um, so I think Thank I, you. I humble brag, uh, but yes. So I'm, I'm not going to say anything else on that. But I guess my last thoughts on like the the performances is that when I was watching this movie, I was thinking very similar things. I do think Matt Damon was trying for the accent at some parts and wasn't trying at others, and it made it very weird. And just being projected as a loser is just tough with Matt Damon, where you see him like in like Goodwill Hunting here. Him and Ben Affleck, the chemistry in that. I felt like Adam Driver and Ben Affleck had the Goodwill Hunting chemistry watching this. I felt very similar to that. And I was just like, oh, we need to see Matt Damon doing like all these other roles. We can't have him doing these type of roles. Stillwater. We can't be doing We Bought a Zoo. I know that was a long time ago. He needs Still to be water. like the guy. He needs to be the guy. He can't be. He just has to be like the like a like not necessarily a womanizer, but like either Jason Bourne or Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, the alpha of the movie. He needs to get back to that, but in a positive way, not like in a charity way, like we bought a zoo. Right. Like, like, man, you're so right about that. So I like I like like Affleck. I think it was smart though that they didn't have him have that relationship with um Damon in this movie, like Goodwill Hunting, because people just are automatically gonna think Goodwill Hunting. Right. right. And they kind of want this you movie couldn't to do that with own. this one. And this is like the first movie they've appeared in together since what? Is it Goodwill Hunting? When's the last time they appeared in a movie yes. together? Or yes. the Clerks or whatever Kevin Smith movie? Whatever, like that no one really cares that much about. Is it the Clerks uh, or whatever? Bob, Bob, uh, Silent Bob? Jay and Silent Bob? It's like Strikes Back or something. Was that before or after? Well, there was also 99. the new one that just came out. Oh. But like, like they're not in significant, well, significant roles. This is the first so, time they've written, they've written together since Goodwill Hunting. Written. So this is the first time they've written together. They can't write so. themselves into roles where they're best friends again, like Adam Driver was. But uh, yeah. So I like I I'm, I, I did like Dry. The acting's good in this movie. I do think Damon was the weak link, and I'm yes, glad. I agree. I'm really glad that Affleck he dyed his hair like that, but he didn't go all into the character with an accent. He mm-hmm. was perfect in like. The uh, some of his Boston came out if you it, a, a little, a little bit. bit, but like he wasn't trying for an accent, so I didn't mind it. Whereas Matt Damon, like he was trying, he tried sometimes and tried and didn't try sometimes with the French accent, right? And for the most part, 
uh, Affleck's pretty one note, but that's okay because you're right. He was a He's side just, character. Right. Yeah. He did get, he had, he had a little bit of depth when like driver was in trouble when he's being accused of the rape. The ending. Oh my. Oh, the end too. Yes. Good point. I don't want to spoil. Like who saw this movie? Like, come on. Like I'm tempted to just say spoilers go, but, but I won't spoil anything, but the end after the showdown, he's like hands behind his back and like looking at Adam driver's body, like get, or uh, getting dragged, you know? Yeah. It reminded me of uh, the meme with, Pablo Escobar and Narcos, oh. like on the swing set, and like yeah. by himself. It was, I was killing me. And then uh, someone sent me um, one that was something different, and it was very similar. It's just a random like person by themselves on a beach, just looking out in the sea. I'm like, that's Ben Affleck. In this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, he, he was good. He was good. I'm excited to see him in that. We didn't even bring up that new trailer he's done with the Clooney movie. We missed that on the show roundup. Honestly, yes. we should, are we good with this movie? We should talk about that. I'm done. I'm ready to score if you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, let me go first. Uh, sure, sure. I'm going with the 88. I'm going with the 88. I really like this movie. Ah, sh- I, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Sorry. I said it. I can't take it back. I said 88. Um, it's The only real detractor is it's a little redundant in Damon's performance. It doesn't live up to the, the other three. So I would say 88, I'm sticking with that. Jody Comer for an Oscar and uh, Ridley Scott, honestly, one of his better works in recent memory alongside the Martian. I agree with that. So, I, and your points are good. Um, Me too movement uh, vibes, sometimes a little too strong, but still it was good. Um, it just, this movie was disturbing. Like this was not a fun movie. I'm, I'm doing a terrible job promoting people to see this movie. But like this is I thought the action the last duel lived up to the hype. That's something we didn't talk about. Yeah, and the first scene the the first scene was the first act was great. Um it's just so disturbing. So like I'm just teetottering between my scores. Like I gotta score it properly, fairly, and it's a good movie, but like I just did not I'm simply not having a good time, bro. Real semi-bros, shout out. But I'm gonna just be fair. 86. Okay. Obviously disturbing. Uh, honestly, what this movie, this movie, my score would have tanked. Like I would have been dropping to like the high 60s, 70s if the duel was not good. Because it first mm. of all, it's the title of the movie. You had a, a such redundancy and a buildup to this last duel. It needed to be phenomenal. And it was, dude. It yeah, was. It was really dude, good. When the horse is like banging Gladiator vibes. It's, they joust. They joust. All of a sudden, they're off the horse. Let's go. Mono y mono. It was awesome. And it was awesome. That's going to be a great YouTube clip looking back. It's going to be a great YouTube clip of acting to watch when it's all said and done because no one saw this in theaters. That, that is true. I, I, I actually, That's a good take. All right, so that does it for the last duel. Probably, I, I would like to know if you saw if you follow us on Instagram on Twitter. We should, we'll do a poll. At us. We'll do yeah. a poll to see who actually watched it. Yeah. Um. All right. So Ricky Flex, just like to wrap up here with Affleck. We did we did um, tease <laughs> right. his appearance in this upcoming movie, The Tender Bar, which is a Clooney directed movie. Dude, we might be looking at a sneaky Affleck nomination from this year. Sneaky Affleck nomination. It's interesting. It's interesting. 
it's something it's like he did the way back to do this role and you know what this <laughs> you, you said the way back you know what this trailer reminded me of the way the back. way way back with Steve oh. Carell. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it yeah, gave yeah. me those vibes except we have a little bit of a deeper story longer runtime uh ben affleck in a father type role but obviously he's not the father I think that's like a that's like a primetime Oscar. That's perfect like, for Ben uh, Affleck. It's so good because because you yes because he's such a bad father figure. Oh, <laughs> in real, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's an uncle. But, he's not. He's he looks like yeah, an uncle. He, he's a, a fun, fun uncle. uncle. He's a he's a fun. Uncle. He's a J Lo like he's uh, Ana de Armas like. <laughs> he's the fun uncle. Uh, but Ty Sheridan also appearing in this movie alongside Affleck. Ty Sheridan, people love him right now. He's coming off the card counter with Oscar Isaac. And next thing you know, he's in a Clooney movie with Affleck. That's kind of weird, right? Yeah. It's kind of weird. And he's taking off. Yeah. And obviously I had my beef with him after the card counter. I don't think he was that great, but like, I'm excited to see him next to Ben Affleck here. Like, obviously like I didn't love him in card counter, but he has potential and I'm interested to see where he goes from here. Yeah. Best-selling memoir too. So it's like a very popular book. I'm, I'm tempted to buy the book and it's coming out on Amazon. The movie's coming out on Amazon. So I just wanted to throw that in there before we move on to our top billing this week. Um, so now, with that being said, and after our little, our little interjection with this trailer, a uh, little trailer roundup action for the kids at home, but let's move on to our top billing draft of greatest box office flops. All right, in honor of The Last Duel being arguably the largest dud of 2021, we're doing the greatest box office flops. Uh, the criteria for this, we don't really have numbers exactly. We're just going to lay some picks out there. If we disagree wholeheartedly, we might throw out a veto. Uh, you'll be asked to explain your pick. Ricky Flex, do you have a concrete list ready to go for this draft? I had like a bunch that I was reading off. And when I was thinking about this, I was, I was like, all right, like they, it couldn't have been a good movie. So I, I was looking up some bad movies that were just coming off the top of my head in recent memory that I knew, like I didn't see in theaters because it just looked off, but was thinking, oh, they, that probably cost a lot to make. And domestically, I was right. Internationally, no. So I'm taking this as like a domestic box office mainly, but I think you listeners will understand like, yeah, these are all flops. I didn't see these movies. If I did, I wish I didn't. Right. And like my criteria is like this movie might like it could have cost a couple hundred million dollars to make, but it only made 100 million. Right. So there's a couple movies I have like that where it didn't mm -hmm. make back the money that it took to make it. You yes. Know? Good point. And, and I think also it's like, okay, the hype that went into the movie, did it live up to that hype? Did, was there like a certain casting that made it and certain directing that uh, elevated to a level of high anticipation and then it just busted, right? So it's just, it, there's, I don't think there's an exact definition we're going to use, but I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Ready to go? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I'm ready to go. I'm going to flip right. the coin. Yes. Heads? Tails never fails. Tails for the, for the YouTube. And the flip? It's heads. Failed. And I will be taking the first pick. First overall pick from Flix. Ricky Flix, you are now on the clock for biggest box office flops. Okay. Well, I will be taking a movie that came out recently. And honestly, I wasn't going to see this movie no matter what. 
but I know a lot of people were really excited for this movie. And this movie had a lot of CGI issues. That's a big hint. So I'm going with the 2019 film Cats. Oh my gosh. This is where we're starting off. Cats with a budget of $95 million. James Corden, like butthole leaks of CGI, domestically made $27 million. Worldwide did not even make back the budget of $73 million. Inflation-adjusted loss of, of arguably up to $100 million. This movie was... An abomination. <laughs> and the director is an Oscar-winning director of the King's Speech. So putting all that in perspective and all these stars, Jason Derulo, Taylor Swift, James Corden, Judy Dench, Jennifer um, Hudson, Jennifer Hudson, all these great like voices of our generation and just popular figures in pop culture. And this was just such a dud and a flop during Christmas time. This was Christmas time thinking, oh, like, maybe an Oscar, maybe like best original, uh, best song or like something like that. No, dud, abomination. My biggest flop of all time, Cats. Wow. Wow. I was on my list. I don't know if it's number one, but it was on my list for sure. <laughs> I had to get it on my board. Uh, it, I don't know if it made how much money it made or anything like that, but I think of like box office bombs i think of cats i'm thinking at like 10 percent or less it was the first one i thought of first one i thought of yeah 20 percent rotten tomatoes like terrible should be less yeah so i have like 11 names on my list none of them are good movies except one one's a good movie that i have as a box office bomb second one i have that i took off um i might have to do a little scrambling in case i have to pick the good movie and i'll get like pressured into it but you're right that cast and it's coming off a play that was looking to be adapted into a movie for literally three decades like three decades we've been waiting for cats and then we finally get cat and it's an absolute bust like ah, oh, you're so right um so with that being said cats is now off the board it's now on to my first round pick and i'm going to go with the mummy with tom cruise as my number one pick the mummy so let's break down why this is my first round pick first off tom cruise biggest action star on the earth supposed to kickstart a monster universe with this film. A monster's universe with this film from Universal, okay? What ends up happening? This is such a flop and such a bad movie. They canceled the entire universe that they planned on making. Every movie, canceled. Everything connected, canceled. Who is a part of this universe? Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. Javier Bardem as Frankenstein. Incredible actors. And this movie was so bad, they canceled all of them. Get it out of here. And this comes off of that famous picture with all of those actors who were like, uh, uh, they weren't at, what was it called? They're, uh, they were basically placed in yeah. the picture. Uh, like they basically, uh, what's it called? They, uh, what, what's it, what, what am I thinking of? They edited the picture. What, what's it Photoshop. called? Photoshopped it with all the characters in the picture that weren't actually there and it looked like the most awkward thing of all time so i'm going with the mummy how do you bomb with tom cruise and how do you bomb this hard first rounder so how do you bomb with tom cruise russell crowe's in this movie oh yeah jeez i forgot russell crowe's in this russell crowe mr dr jekyll mr hyde this was just like this was this is where the the fraser shots Brendan Fraser coming back. This is when people were like, we need Brendan Fraser back. <laughs> When's the last time you heard someone say Brendan Fraser was so much better 
in this movie than Tom Cruise. Never. That's the last time someone said that. Never. So I'm that's a great pick. I it, I thought about it. I just uh I love Tom Cruise. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't I pick to. him. It's just I think of that picture. I think of this universe that we're trying to like capitalize on, mm-hmm. following like what happened with the MCU and DCU was kicking off. Oh, let's make this monster universe. Everyone wants to have these universes. The mummy comes out. Cancel it. Cancel everything. <laughs> and then they had you had the Invisible Man. And then it had to get rebooted pretty much to and the re, the Invisible Man starring Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss kind of re, re, reignited this universe. And now you have Ryan Gosling playing the Wolfman eventually, which is very fascinating. Um, so now on to my first pick of the second round. I'll keep it simple. Justice League. I think that's my biggest, that, uh, that's arguably my first round pick, theatrical version. Mainly, this is such a flop because this was supposed to rival a movie a la The Avengers, right? And this was not even close. Like the, the Avengers was a billion dollar movie. You had the... Justice League plagued by a terrible shoot overall. You had Zach, Zach uh, Snyder leaving the set early for a Joss Whedon. And now we, we, the last year and a half, we've heard of abuse allegations from Joss, uh, about Joss Whedon from people like Ray Fisher and Gal Gadot. Finally, you got to see the actual movie that Zach Snyder envisioned with the Snyder cut. But this movie was trash. Steppenwolf as a villain for the Justice League movie was trash. The buildup, trash. Everything, trash. I'm glad we got the final vision, but that's definitely one of the biggest flops of all time. Yeah. Thank Too God we got the Snyder cut. Thank God we got the Snyder cut. Thank God. So you seen that poster and the vibrant colors. I'm like, Batman does not, that's the brightest blue Batman has worn since Adam West. Hmm. Uh, man, it's just it was disturbing to watch seeing Cavill with the freaking with the reshoots with the lip. Oh no! Oh my right. gosh! Right, terrible. Yeah. The first scene of the movie because they all you heard about in this lead up was they had to do the reshoots and they had to di- digitize like get rid of the much mustache. What do you see in the first scene? Henry Cavill like missing the mustache and like his like lips sticking out. I'm like, god damn it! It's already terrible. It's already terrible. <laughs> oh, but. Yeah, and just like I think what makes this really bad is that when you think of like production, you think of like, oh, you put into CGI, or you think you're putting into the set designs or whatever. Over budget, yeah. Yeah, right. Steppenwolf and and that versus Snyder Cut is a different person, a different look and everything. And they only added $30 million, and a lot of that wasn't even to Steppenwolf. So interesting. I love the pick. Sadly, I love the pick. Now it's off to me. Your second rounder. You've made a person out of another person. (laughs) Yes, I'm going with Gemini, man. Will Smith. Arguably the king of flops. Action flops. I'm not going to tease any other picks, but man, if you don't remember this movie, folks, 2019, budget of $139 million made domestically 38 million and it's about they de-aged will smith so he's fighting himself and there's anticipation for this movie like after the first trailer before the that line i just said i was like wow like this could be this could be like interesting here a good action movie will smith going against himself good concept like cgi like you think it's hype like you think it's realistic here you're thinking like oh like this could like futuristic could be real but nope, sucked. No one saw it. 
Gemini man, my number two pick. Yeah, dude. Like this one, it was like getting a lot of hype. Was it Ang Lee with Gemini man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ang Lee. And so this is the guy who did Brokeback Mountain, acclaimed director. He did Hulk bet with uh, Eric Bana. We won't talk about that. But this was supposed to be revolutionary. And the effects, I think, weren't that bad. But it was just like the line you just said is all the movie will ever be known for. You made a person from another person. <laughs> it's like it's almost like one of the, like the lines that will be associated with Will Smith for the rest of his career. Uh, that is until he presumably wins an Oscar this year for playing uh, being, uh, King Richard, right? And hopefully, fingers crossed. Mm. But I love that pick. There was that had a lot of potential, um, and it kind of lines up with my my next pick. Interesting. So, well, it's your pick, actually. Sorry, excuse yeah. me, I almost cut you off. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I think I would be able to get this later in the draft, but I think I'm just gonna do it now. I'm gonna go with Black Hat. <laughs> so, I wrote a blog a while ago and i mentioned this movie this movie budget 70 million dollars 8 million domestic uh, box office terrible rotten tomato score i don't remember what it was but it might be in the single digits but this is a michael mann who made heat 1995 heat and you have chris hemsworth this is like his first shot at like an extraction type movie and it just bombed it came out the same weekend as american sniper so obviously that wasn't going to do well, but just the fact that Chris Hemsworth, Michael Mann movie made $8 million, an action movie, an extraction type movie where you see extraction today. It's what they made. A, they're making a sequel because it was so successful. And here at the first crack at it flop. So that's going to be my third pick. Yeah. I've never seen it. I've actually never seen it. And that's like, Terrible. that's when, that's when Hemsworth was trying to like launch his career to another stratosphere. Besides Thor. Yeah. So this is like 2015. He has like Avengers Age of Ultron 2015. I think Rush is like 2016. Is that right? Rush? Earlier. Earlier, really? Um, I'll double check. But that, Black but... Hat was like, okay, the, can he pull this off outside of like 2013 a, movie Rush? This like, oh, it's 2013. Wow. But outside of this like macho, like hyper masculine role, can he do it? in this type of like, I guess, thriller, right? With Black Hat. And it was apparently abysmal. abysmal. It wasn't good. I never finished I, it. I, so I, I didn't, I put it on my list just in case I ran out of like movies, but it mm. definitely was one I was considering in case I ran out, but I've never seen it, you know? Yeah, Man. just disappointing. Okay. <laughs> good thing. You, I can't wait to see him in the Hulk Hogan though. Him as Hulk Hogan Ooh. is going to be phenomenal. That's good. That's like him making a push. Him and, making a push yeah. is more than just this. Although he's playing pretty much a superhero and, with, and he's still doing Hulk extraction. Hogan. He's like he's more mm -hmm. than that. And he's still doing extraction too. And he's doing uh, escapes from Spiderhead with Miles Teller when they escape prison, right, or whatever the yeah. heck it is. I yeah, right. You know, you're right. You're right. Um. All right. So now it's on to my third pick. This movie. Made $303 million at the box office. All right. That's worldwide gross. The budget was, what was the budget? $110 million. And the U.S. gross with Canada was $100 million. So it made less in the U.S. and Canada than it did as a budget. Can I draft this movie? 
I want to. Is that too much money? I want to hear what it is. 2016 film starring Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, Passengers. Is that just a bad movie or is that a flop? It's a bad movie. Okay. Okay. People saw that. It was so bad. (laughs) And that movie was built up, built up to be this massive, massive movie. Chris Pratt coming off of Guardians of the Galaxy, Moneyball, coming of Jennifer Lawrence. And a sci-fi movie, Jennifer Lawrence was pretty much the top of her game. I think after this movie, Jennifer Lawrence like hit a slope. She literally hit a slope, I think, after this movie because it was it was such high expectations. And she also took a PR hit because everyone thought that she like broke up Chris Pratt's marriage. Remember that? Oh, that, wow. You're right. It was a huge movie. And they, the chemistry was so Honestly, good off camera. This is, too, I think it's, I, I would allow it just because I'm in. No, I, w- I won't do it. It made $200 million more than its budget. That's well, just one international. It was in my head. It was in my head. And I was just like, I think Damn, that movie it's was supposed flop. to be special. It's a flop because it's supposed to be good. It's not a flop because of money. Like people saw it. Yes, but it's also, we're talking about box office flops here. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think that's a, a, re- a repick. All right. Also, I guess I will go with. Man. I'm going to go with Female Ghostbusters 2016. Female Ghostbusters, Paul Feig directed. Very well known uh, for his directorial uh, efforts in Spy with Melissa McCarthy. So you thought her, him re, re, uh, re, uh, re, uh, with a little reunion with her for this new Ghostbusters movie with Leslie Jones, who is pretty much the most annoying actress who's ever lived, alongside a uh, Kate McKinnon, which I actually like. I think she's funny, but she's a little bit over the top as well. Chris Hemsworth in a very comedic role, right, with a little like. Uh, gender reveal reversal excuse me with him being the secretary to the ghostbusters but this is also supposed to reignite a franchise that had been dormant since the 80s and then it really only had a cameo for bill murray at the end of the movie and it was so i i would guess uh it was so rejected by audiences that they decided let's scrap it let's get rid of this franchise reboot it again one more time with paul rudd and the stranger things uh finn wolf would fit the stranger things finn wolfhard crossed my mind i honestly don't remember how much it made how uh, what was the uh figures on that i can look at it It made two hundred ninety-five million. Is that a is that is that a bust? I don't know. It, I think it was, was so bad you could pick it. It was just. Oh wait, is that the right? No, no, that was that's the original Ghostbusters. Excuse okay, me. thank God. I was gonna say if that made two hundred ninety-five, and how are some of these movies I'm picking? Oh shit! <laughs> it, it, so it okay. Budget was one hundred fifty million, and okay. it made. So it made 128 in the in North America. It didn't break a, even. So it made 229 worldwide. Yeah, but domestically it didn't break even domestically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm taking. All right. That works. All right. You got Sorry. another pick. These movies are too big, but they all suck. <laughs> no, no, that they suck. Go with your fourth here. All right. So my fourth pick. Uh, I didn't really look at these numbers. I didn't think they would come to such a, like be so impactful, but I'm going to go with Robin hood 
from a couple <sighs> years back yeah, with Taron Egerton, Jamie Foxx, Jamie Dornan. Those are like three dudes that girls drool over, yet no one went to go see this movie, right? No one cares about Robin Hood. Talk about period pieces. And that's a famous story, right? So I'm going to go Robin Hood as my fourth round, fourth round pick. I'll keep it short. Yeah, it's a good pick. Just I thought, I think something that you left out was anticipation. Robin Hood reboot with Taron Egerton, like the Kingsman guy. And you got Jamie Foxx playing uh, uh, Big George, whatever the heck. Um, uh, Big John. Big John, John, thank you. Little John. Little John, Little John, Little John. So I thought that I, it had the rest of people like, oh, it's a remake, but it has new stars, but still like the household name, Oscar winner, polarized, like big time, like A-lister. No, flop, good pick. All right. You're fourth. My fourth, I'm picking one where I thought this guy was going to go to the moon, but he went to Jupiter. Jupiter ascending <laughs> is my pick. God dang it. Channing Tatum, why? Why? This 2015 movie, $176 million at the box off, uh, budget, $47 million domestically. $47 million <laughs> domestically. You know who directed this movie, Dr. O? Uh, uh, Spielberg? Isn't there a name like Spielberg or something? The Wachowskis. Oh, the Matrix yes. guys. Matrix. The, the anticipation for this movie was big. Channing Tatum, Tatum's on a high. Magic Mike, like, coming up here. Mila Kunis, star. You got the, these directors. But, God, all the special effects in this made this budget go through the roof. But then they had reshoots, like a thousand reshoots. Channing Tatum just looked weird. Flop, my fourth pick. Him in the ears, right? Yeah, he had the ears. Him, he had the ears? Yes. Disgust. And Sean Bean. He, Sean he's Bean recovered was in this from movie. this movie. He what? Oh my gosh. I don't think Channing, I don't think Channing Tatum has recovered. Well, the jump streets. Well, I, I, well when was this movie? What year? 2015. Jump Street, what? That was 2011 and 14. Oh, God. Right? So Jupiter Ascending was like 2015, 16. And then what has Channing Tatum done other than the Hateful Eight back in 2015? He's a Magic Mike Mike sequel, maybe? Like, he hasn't done much, dude. Free Guy? Yeah, Free Guy. He was great in Free Guy. But yeah, like, I just thought, like, this movie, like, oh, this, this is his time. Like, this is his He's with the Wachowskis. This is going to be like slow-mo action sequences. No. Wow. 21 Jump Street was 2012. 22 was 2014. Yeah. Foxcatcher was before this movie. Foxcatcher Fox was a great is phenomenal. Movie. Also that's hard weird. watch. Yeah, that's also hard watch. I literally just watched a freaking, uh, I watched the scene where he's like punching himself and destroys the hotel room today. So that's kind of weird that how that phenomenal came Phenomenal scene. But uh, yeah, man, he's been, this movie. Uh, this is also the year before Hail Caesar, so I guess whatever. He was, he was in Logan Lucky. He was, he was he was good. Yes, that's 2017, right? Yeah, Logan Lucky. But he he was good in uh, what was the one you said previously? Not Logan Lucky. Hail uh, Caesar. He was good in Hail Caesar. Yeah, great dancing scene sequence mm. there. That was unbelievable. That but was your, great. So uh, we're on to your fifth rounder. Okay, I feel bad because I want to pick a. I want to pick a superhero movie. But I also, this was the first, the second movie, or second or third movie I thought of. So I really wanted to pick this one. What should I do? Superhero? 
or non-superhero? I don't think you have a superhero. Movie. I know. So I feel like I should put one down. Yeah. Unless you, unless the other one's a stronger pick. I know I'm just going to do, I think I need a superhero movie. X-Men Dark Phoenix flop. Big time. 200 million budget in 2019 only made 65 million domestically for an X-Men movie. After like the big hits of X-Men first class days of future past. I know obviously apocalypse did not do well. So then this one really didn't do well coming off of that one, uh, one, uh, two X-Men too many, especially one, definitely for this one, one too many X-Men movies in this franchise, this installment of it. Dark Phoenix is my pick. The second time they messed up the story for so obviously the do. Dark Phoenix saga. And then you also have, uh, oh man, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character, no, Mystique. No. They messed that uh, up too. Sophie Turner coming off Game of Thrones, right? Which is obviously did had a lackluster finish. And thinking that she could be this like great actress, and then she lays this bomb with Dark Phoenix, and she's the head. So I don't think she'll ever recover, dude. I don't think she'll ever recover, honestly. What is she even scheduled to make next? Um, And then going beyond that, this was in the middle. It's like obviously there's reshoots for this movie. Uh, Then you had like the Disney acquisition of Fox in the midst of everything. So this movie, almost everyone assumed it was going to suck before it even came out almost like new mutants was expected to suck before it even came out. Right. You know, it was on that level. So it's a great pick and really didn't have studio backing either. Everyone's just like, just put it out there. Let's get it over with. Let's turn a blind eye. Pretend it never happened. Yeah. It seems like like Sophie Turner, like you're not hearing anything that she's doing now. You're just seeing her chug beers at Rangers games or with Joe Jonas. So it's just like, what, what does she like come to? She was on such a high and then this movie and then boom. So it seems like she, she might have do? to go the independent route like to really show her acting skills to get back in the limelight if she even wants to, like who knows if she doesn't even want to. Um, but I don't know. This was just such a flop. And I felt then like then, I had to put a superhero movie on. Then like Macy Williams, she was in new mutants and she also, that movie flops big time too. Well, um, so oh, I don't know. Well, what... Anya Taylor joy. So. Yeah. But Anya Taylor joy has done a zillion other things that I know. I'm just saying it's still possible you know? to come back. Right. It's just like they haven't. <laughs> like they haven't done anything. Yeah. 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 You know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, she's in a different stratosphere. Um, yeah. My Mr. or Mrs. Irrelevant. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with a familiar face that made a highly anticipated debut following their iconic superhero role. And it was a $175 million budget. I'm going to go with Robert Downey Jr.'s Doolittle. That's the one I was going to pick. I was deciding between. I think that one is a massive bomb, mainly because it was played from the beginning, right? When you saw, when you heard that it cost $175 million and there's only one human that really appears in the movie, that's when you know you're in trouble. And then it's pushed and delayed to a January release pre-pandemic. This is before the pandemic. And then they laid this deuce on us after his appearance in Avengers Endgame. It's like, oh, what what is Robert Downey Jr. have in store for us after the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, we have Doolittle, Doolittle. And it was uh, just a travesty. I've caught bits and pieces on HBO, but just seeing a $175 million budget, that's a budget for a freaking superhero movie, and it's in a busted. Yeah, and the delays in this movie got pushed to a January release, and you know that's when they put, a studio pushes it to January bust bust of a movie downey jr i think made like 25 million dollars off of this yeah and i think the worst part is like 
you know, you think of Eddie Murphy, Dr. Doolittle, also beloved book, uh, um, Dr. Doolittle is, but the cast of this movie, the, the voices of the animals, you're thinking, oh my God, like you have Tom Holland, Emma Thompson, Rami Malek, Camille Nanjani, Michael Sheen, like you have such a big cast playing these, uh, voicing these characters with Robert Downey Jr. Like, oh my God, like this has to be like at least good, like the Lion King level, like Lion King it, they uh, were like, live it action. Almost, they, they almost wanted it to be Jungle Book, you know, which I'm talking right. about. Oh, like Lion Ooh. King, great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, either one. So flopped, terrible. Um, what was this? It was 175, but 39 million domestically? No, less. I don't know domestically. I just um, know it made 250, 251 worldwide. Oh, 77 million. So still lost 100 million dollars. Yes, I remember seeing those, those articles. Doolittle and Downey Jr. lose 100 million dollars from Doolittle on a 175 million dollar budget. Just that's just like for, unfathomable for a movie. For a movie about a guy that talks to animals, the they biggest, put 175 million dollars into it. The biggest movie star on the planet when it came out, still off the high of Avengers Endgame. God damn it! Was Endgame even out yet? <laughs> was it even yeah. out yet? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. So, that any honorable mentions that you wanted to bring up here? Now that we have our list, I'll read them really quick, and you'll I'll, I'll throw it to you. Okay. Ricky Flix has cats. Gemini man. Black Hat, Jupiter Ascending, and then X-Men Dark Phoenix. Dr. O has The Mummy, Justice League, Ghostbusters 2016, Robin Hood, and Doolittle. Flicks. Honorable mentions. Okay. Um, quickly, 47 Ronin. Keanu Reeves movie, 2013. Tough one. 175 million, 38 domestically. You thought, oh, Keanu Reeves, samurai, sci-fi, action-packed movie. Here we go. Bust. Um, let's see. A movie that I didn't want to pick because it's like kind of good. I think it's overrated, but kind of good. A Steven Spielberg movie, Big Friendly Giant. The special yep. effects that went into that movie made it like $140 million. Only made $55 million, And it came out during a popular time in the winter, Christmas time. Did not do well. Um, let's see. R.I.P.D. Remember that one? <laughs> Ryan yeah, Reynolds and uh, 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 Jeff Bridges. Yeah, like post Green Lantern days, and like it Jeff was, it Bridges. was like it was like a wannabe Men in Black. Exactly, and they put in the the budget 130 million, only made 33 million domestically. Oh my um, and then the one I really wanted to pick, um, but it's my guy, Sons of Anarchy, Charlie Hunnam, my guy. So I didn't pick it for him. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, the Guy Ritchie movie. This was like the Guy Ritchie movie. It was like a studio finally gave him. A monster budget. He because he always worked with like lesser budgets. He got 175 million to do this. A King Arthur movie with Charlie Hunnam. Eric Bana's in this movie. Like, my God! And it only made 39 million domestic. I was really anxious to see that, eager to see it when it came on stream. It was like because I I'm mm-hmm. a Charlie Hunnam fan as well, and this seemed like his chance. Like if yeah. he was ever gonna play a superhero, this was gonna launch him into that like that 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 upper echelon of action stars, especially after you're right, Sons of Anarchy. He kind of had a mini comeback with the gentleman. So let's see what he does next. Next but, James Bond. I dude, he he kind of costed himself. Yes, but I agree. It, the man of sophistication he was in the gentleman, though, it makes me think he could pull off a James Bond. Yeah, I just don't think he's a great actor. I think he's a, a great nah. TV actor. <laughs> it's just ah, man. Sad. He had a shot though. He had a shot. 
say. Oh, and my last one. Sorry. I was looking at my list. Remember this? I already picked Black Hat, so I wasn't going to pick this, but In the Heart of the Sea. Chris Hemsworth oh, movie. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Killian Murphy, your boy. Ron Howard movie. Wow. Only made $25 million in North America, but it was budget was over $100 million. Hemsworth went balls to the wall. Remember those videos of him coming out basically mm-hmm. without any fat on his body, but also no muscle? He's basically all skeleton. Remember he, that? Yeah, he, yeah. Unrecognizable. And that was uh, around the same time as Black Cat, I think. Same year, 2015. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Has anyone had a worse year? And then he was in the most, like, uh, like inexplainable plot. No, I think that was 2014. Was that? No, 2015 was Avengers Age of Ultron, and where he had the most inexplicable subplot to an Avengers movie where he just disappeared and then he goes to like that lake and then he like grabs his hammer hammer and then he like figures out what the infinity stones are randomly. You remember that? Very random. And it made very no randomly. Sense. He's like, I need to go somewhere. And he sees Dr. Solving. And then he goes to this like, like, like pool of water and he goes like, okay, infinity stones. This is what we need to do oh, now. Listen to this like, stretch. Listen to this stretch after uh, the Avengers movie, Snow White and the Huntsman. Awesome. Okay. Red Dawn, bust. Star Trek into the into darkness, but like he wasn't really in that. He was in second. He was in yeah, the second one, so he wasn't really in it. But then out of nowhere, he was like, "All right, let's do Rush." (laughs) Phenomenal. But then we go Thor: Dark World, Black Hat, Avengers: Age of Ultron, Vacation with Ed Helms in the Heart of the Sea, The Huntsman: Winter's War, Ghostbusters. He powered through like some of those. He powered through like what a terrible run. And then finally, like a year later, he did Thor Ragnarok and things were back on track. But man, but yeah, sorry. I just did a long honorable mentions. How about yourself? Uh, I just had Fantastic Four. Uh, Miles Teller version. I'm I'm shocked I didn't go drafted. I thought you were going to take it, but I think X-Men Dark Phoenix was a better pick. Oh, Fantastic Four. How, How much did that make? Uh, I don't remember, but I just know it, it was a bomb. <laughs> and I, I, I like the what, the line that sticks out in that movie is that like uh, I think it's Michael B. Jordan says like it seems like we're fantastic or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was like, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so bad. It's uh, but also it's terrible effects. It, they all mm. talk about reshoots, and they were too young to play the Fantastic Four. It just was not believable whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Reed Josh Richards Craig. like the smartest guy in the world. And then you got Miles like, Teller, who looks like he's 25. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. By the way, um, budget uh like around 120, 150 million, and box office 167. Oh, it made that much. Wow. It's got like a four percent around budget right? 120. Oh, oh domestically it made 56 million. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Boss. That's a bust. Uh so that's gonna do it for our top billing of the greatest box office bombs. Uh, so next week we have a very much anticipated trailer. One that we've been waiting to do since we started this podcast, since we started to draft most anticipated movies and we have Dune, Dune, Rick and Flicks and I will be seeing it in theaters, hopefully on Thursday, if not Friday, can't wait to record it. Spoiler and non-spoiler review. That's going to do it for episode 59 of the drive-in podcast make sure you follow us on social media at the drive-in pod on twitter on instagram please subscribe to the youtube and even follow us on tiktok all right 
Thank you for listening. See you during episode 60. Until next time, we will smell you.